I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The Economist. In London, this is The Economist with Tasting Menu, a selection of the tastiest morsels from this week's issue. I'm Jason Palmer, an editor of Espresso, our daily news app. On the menu this week... The business of breeding crocodiles looks as snappy as ever, the importance of growing wine in the desert, and how to make something useful out of broken eggshells. But first, the future of the Arab world is our cover line this week. After the Arab Spring in 2011, it seemed as if democracy would at last flood through the Arab world. Unfortunately, this was not the case, and the situation is as bleak as ever, as our cover story outlines. The state has broken down in Iraq, Syria, Libya, and Yemen. Civil wars rage and sectarianism is rampant, fed by the contest between Iran and Saudi Arabia. The jihadist caliphate of Islamic State, or IS, the grotesque outgrowth of Sunni rage, is metastasizing to other parts of the Arab world. Unfortunately, the future trajectory is likely to be downward. If the Lebanese civil war of 1975-90 to is any gauge, the Syrian one has many years to run. Other places may turn ugly. Though onlookers may wish to tinker, solutions must come from within. Outsiders cannot fix it, though their actions could help make things a bit better or a lot worse. First and foremost, a settlement must come from Arabs themselves. With concerted effort, the mirage of former glory could become a reality once more. The Arabs could flourish again. They have great rivers, oil, beaches, archaeology, youthful populations, a position astride trade routes and near European markets, and rich intellectual and scientific traditions. But leaders must regain the trust of their people, we argue. They will need input legitimacy, giving space to critics, whether liberals or Islamists, and ultimately establishing democracy. This piece is accompanied by an in-depth special report on the Arab world, which you can read in this week's issue or online at economist.com. Our cover story urged the Arab world to dust away old lines in the sand. Over in our Europe section, we report on figurative fences standing in a country which fought so hard to bring such divisions down. In Germany's top-tier football league, East-West tension is alive and kicking. On May 8th, the sold-out Red Bull Arena, an old communist stadium with a new roof and a new name, rejoiced at the triumph of German football's boldest corporate experiment. RB Leipzig, a team owned by you guessed it, Red Bull, an Austrian fizzy drink maker, beat Karlsruhe SC to win promotion to the Bundesliga, Germany's Premier League. German footballistas have been grumbling about Red Bull's rapid flight to the top. Red Bull's cash has allowed the club to buy talent and rise through four divisions in seven years. This has outraged fans across Germany. Except for Leipzigers, of course. Red Bull has brought elite football back to a parched region. East German clubs were crushed by reunification. Unable to compete, they slipped down the divisions. So as East Germans savour the sweet, fizzy and caffeinated taste of victory, we trickle down to our Middle East and Africa section, where another tale is told of a drink success in an arid region. 
A desert may not be the first place you think of for growing wine, but as an article explains, such conditions are an ideal training ground for times to come, as climate change threatens the industry. A region's climate determines its terroir, the environmental elements that affect the quality of grapes, such as rainfall, temperature and soil conditions. Consequently, vineyards and their produce serve as a particularly sensitive means of measuring climate change. So if you need another reason to stock up on Shiraz, how about supporting science? Israel's deserts can serve as laboratories for growing vines in warmer conditions. Intense sunshine there can mean that one side of a grape can warm to 50 degrees Celsius in the summer. So one intrepid researcher has donned his sun hat and headed out to the desert to find out more. Aaron Feit, an Italian academic at Ben-Gurion University, is using nets of different densities and colours to protect the growing clusters. The temperature, weight, size and chemical composition of the grapes are monitored and conditions tweaked accordingly. And there's no shortage of demand for the fruits of his labour. Dr Fight already advises vintners in Bordeaux on how to beat the heat. These new strategies for irrigation and shading will keep the wine industry going, he reckons. L'chaim. And l'chaim to you. From the blossoming bouquets in Israel's backyard deserts, we flip through to our business section, where the unlikely turns to the downright dangerous. As an article explains, crocodile farming is on the up. Owners are trying to get a bite out of the fashion industry. Graham Webb, a biologist, says that many of the 5,000 or so farms are tiny setups in Asian villages. The largest outfits, however, now boast as many as 70,000 crocs. Even at such a scale, the business is still teething. Crocodile farming is tricky. The industry's novelty means that research into feeds and disease prevention remains limited, at least compared with more ancient forms of husbandry. Not to mention the occupational hazards. It's harder to lose a limb rearing cattle. Worldwide exports of croc skins jumped by about 30% to 1.8 million in 2013. That is partly owing to increasing demand, which had fallen during the financial crisis as exotic skin lovers dumped crocs for cheaper reptiles such as pythons. And we're not just talking handbags. The slower economy in Russia has dragged down demand for macho kit, such as croc skin waistcoats, which sell for as much as $80,000. Well, I know what I'll be asking for at my next birthday. From the treacherous yet profitable crocodile farms in our business section, we move on to finance, where rural life in China is also undergoing a significant shift. A growing sense that after decades of financial inequality, Balance seems to be returning to the hinterlands. The gains from China's remarkable growth of the past 35 years have not been evenly shared. Studies, both official and independent, show that the country has changed from a very equal society into a deeply unequal one. Yet observations from the field hint at a rebounding shift. The main street of Hangbu, a town in Anhui, one of China's poorer provinces, features the usual mix of rural businesses. Shops selling seeds and fertiliser. Others stocked with tools and machinery. A few simple restaurants and a motel. And then there is a shop with a shiny display of iPhones and iPads. A changing demographic could be one reason, we suggest. The country's working age population has started to shrink. That has helped fuel wage growth for blue-collar workers. Another factor is that companies searching for cheap labour have moved farther inland 
reaching parts of the country that are relatively deprived. But even if they are becoming more equal, it's clear that some are still far more equal than others. Ostentatious displays of wealth are less frequent since Xi Jinping took over the Communist Party in late 2012 and began a crackdown on corruption. But sports cars, ritzy restaurants and luxury clothing stores are still common in big cities. From cracking down on corruption, we turn to our science section, where we discover a rather cracking new idea for recycling. Researchers are finally finding ways to put broken eggshells to good use. Pure eggshells consist almost entirely of a tough, crystalline form of calcium carbonate, the chemical of which chalk is composed. The shells can contain broken bits of egg, too. All that makes the leftovers a potentially smelly industrial byproduct, which is why they are buried. So a team of researchers whisked up a method... ..to cleanse the shells and grind them into a fine powder that might be added to various plastics as a filler material to make them more hard-wearing. The article notes another crack team of experts who have found that by using nanoparticles of eggshells... ..they could bolster both the strength and the flexibility of biodegradable plastics, making them more suitable for use as food packaging, including egg cartons. So perhaps a new dilemma for the 21st century, then. Which came first, the carton or the egg? We finish by taking a listen to what's been said recently in America's presidential race. Each week, our United States section publishes overheard snippets from the campaign trail, and we've selected a few of the finest for you. We start with a glance into Donald Trump's foreign policy. I know Russia well. I had a major event in Russia two or three years ago, Miss Universe contest. Bernie Sanders explains the success behind his fundraising technique. I don't take money from billionaires, but I do check every vending machine change slot. And finally, a Trump-supporting tow truck driver in North Carolina reveals why he refused to tow a stranded Sanders supporter. Something came over me. I think the Lord came to me, and he just said, get in the truck and leave. And when I got in my truck, I was so proud because I felt like I finally drew a line in the sand and stood up for what I believed. The Lord works in mysterious ways. I'm Jason Palmer, and that was our tasting menu. Do send us your feedback on Twitter, at Economist Radio, or on Facebook. In London, this is The Economist. The Economist.